Good morning, everyone. How y'all feeling? Good? <sighs> a little hot, huh? Just a little, just a little. By the way, I love the xylophone. That is amazing. I told, uh, I told Joey next week I want a didgeridoo up there. You guys know what that is? Yes. That would be really cool, too. So I'm Alex Kipp. I'm the associate minister here. And today we're starting a new series called Conversations with Jesus. And I love that quote that Jen just gave because that kind of highlights the whole point of this series. That when we converse with Jesus, when Jesus converses with us, when we find these conversations in the Bible, we change. Something about us changes, something about the world changes, something about this community changes. So that's what we're going to look at today. And the thing that I find most interesting about a lot of these conversations is the way that Jesus includes people, right? The people who are often excluded, Jesus includes. So let's, let's be real, real quick, all right? Who here has ever felt like they've been excluded? Raise your hand. Yeah? Okay, shout out. How did that make you feel? Just in a couple words. Just shout it out. I liked it. <laughs> you liked it? Okay. Terrible. Bad. All right, some people are a little more contrarian. They, they're into that. I personally don't like that. Now, what's the opposite? Have you ever felt included? Raise your hand if you ever felt that. Now, how'd that make you feel? Good. Yay. Good. Yay. Yeah. Now, this is obvious, right? And at OSC, we have a real value, a real practice of inclusion. We're always focused on it. We're always thinking about it. But if we're honest, this is actually really hard, isn't it? It's challenging. Sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes it can make you feel like you're out of control. You don't know what's going on. And I think what's so fascinating about this passage we're going to look at today is that I think Jesus actually struggled with this too. Now, it's a big claim, but I think we're going to find that in the passage here. So let's take a look at Matthew 15, starting at 21. Now, actually, before we do this, I want to set this up real quick. So Jesus, Jesus had really two big, big priorities. One was to love the household of Israel. Right? Jesus was a first century Palestinian Jewish rabbi. He was not here to create a new religion necessarily. That was not his objective. His objective was to fulfill the promise of Israel that he thought was authentic. The only problem with that is, is the people within the household of Israel didn't really like that. Right? In fact, does anybody remember what happened when he preached his first sermon? You know, when he gets out that big book and he says, the time has come, I'm the one to fulfill it. He slams the book. What do they do? They try to kill him. Right? They try to literally run him off a cliff. So imagine that your first sermon, people want to kill you. Right? That's not a very welcoming place to be. Right? So he had this, this love, this call to the household of Israel, but he was rejected. They didn't want to hear it. But then he also had this second priority, to love beyond the household of Israel, to love the Samaritans, the Canaanites, the Romans who were oppressing them. But obviously, they didn't really want to hear that either because Israel was the enemy of Rome, right? So no one wanted to hear that either. So Jesus, in this passage, is caught in this place early on in his ministry 
where he has been preaching to the household of Israel. He's been going around Galilee, and basically he's not getting a good response. They want to kill him. They want to be done with him. So he's like, you know what, guys? We got to get out of here. Okay, we got to go somewhere a little safer. We have to get outside of Galilee and Israel. So that's where we're at today, and it's important. You'll discover that in a second. So chapter 15, Matthew, verse 21. So Jesus left the place, that being Israel. Jesus left the place and went, and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. He did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. All right. Now, does this passage make anyone a little uncomfortable? Raise your hand if it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's an uncomfortable passage, right? Because we kind of have Jesus acting in a way that we don't normally expect him to, right? I mean, what, what is he doing here? He's... He's again in the uh, district of Tyre and Sidon. And what's really important to know about this is this was again outside of Israel, right? This is the first time he makes his way out of Galilee and outside of Israel. But for the Jewish people, this district was considered impure, it was considered unclean. So Jesus and his disciples are hanging out in this district and his disciples are probably like, why are we here? This is not where we're supposed to be, right? But they need a little rest from all the rejection they've experienced. And then this Canaanite woman comes out of nowhere. She says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And what does he first do? But he did not answer her at all. He ignores her. That's not the Jesus we expect, right? He ignores her. It's right there in the text. So his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. So obviously this woman's not getting up. She keeps shouting. And he answered, well, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So not only does he ignore her first, but he then kind of justifies his position a bit, right? And she comes back, Lord, help me. And he says, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. So what's going on here? Right? It's a little awkward. It's a little uncomfortable. Well, first off, I think we have to understand something about this Canaanite woman. And that is, number one, women in general of this time were considered second-class citizens. Right? They were the low of the low. 
Not only that, but this is a Canaanite woman. So she's got three things against her. One, she's a woman. Two, she's a Canaanite, which means she's not of the house of Israel. And three, her daughter is demon-possessed. So in the Israel mindset, they're not only in an unpure, unclean district, but now they've got the most unpure, unclean person coming to them asking for help. Right? So when Jesus says, hey, it's not fair to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, dogs in this time, in the Jewish thought, was actually a way to signify the enemy. So it wasn't like Jesus was saying, oh, you're a dog, get out of here, you know, kick you away. He was saying basically, no, you're a Canaanite, you're our enemy. The Canaanites were the Jewish people's enemies in 60 CE, wars, contention, all of this. And so Jesus was saying, hey, I got to give my people what they need. I can't take that and give it to my enemy. And she says, but Lord, help me. Right? She says, Lord, help me. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So Jesus here is been dejected. He's been rejected by his own people. He's in this place that doesn't feel familiar. His enemies approaching him. And I think he's having a real human moment that we all experience, right? And I love the way that Howard Thurman says this in his book, Jesus and the Disinherited, if we can go to that quote. Howard Thurman talks about this very moment where Jesus talks about the dog and the children. And he says, in this very moment, it had all the deep frustration which Jesus had experienced. And there flashed through it generations of religious exclusiveness to which he was heir. He was heir of this religion that was exclusive. And Howard Thurman talks about it's almost like Jesus is thinking, what right has this woman of another race to make a claim upon me? What mockery is there here? Am I not humiliated enough and being misunderstood by my own kind? Can we be honest? Have we all felt like this sometimes? Right? See, what's amazing about this passage is you expect Jesus to just be done with her, right? Just say, go away. Like, I, no, I can't deal with you. But what does he do? He doesn't do that. And that's hope, and that's good news for us, and we're going to learn something from it. She says, yes, Lord, not even the dogs, yet not even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. So it's almost as if, this, this woman's plea finally cut through like a lightning bolt to Jesus. It finally awakened him again. It finally reminded him, whoa, what's going on here? You're right. This woman, many scholars say, in many ways liberated Jesus 
from his own exclusive religion, from the ways of thinking that weren't permitted at that time. Now, all of a sudden, justice, righteousness was open for all. In this moment, the Canaanite woman, the enemy, the lowest of the low, became more important than his own household, than his own disciples. That's a big deal. And from that moment, Jesus would go on to preach justice and righteousness to all of humanity, a shared humanity. And what I think is beautiful about this story is not necessarily the, I mean, obviously the end result of Jesus healing her and opening this up is beautiful, but I think what's more compelling is the human reality of this and that we all struggle with this. In fact, this week when I was reading this passage, I uh, learned that I, I still really, really struggle with this. So I help run the pantry. We have some of our volunteers here today, so they're gonna know this person that I'm talking about. And for the last three weeks, you know, the pantry's been really busy. We're getting a lot more people. A lot more people are coming in, and I'm kind of running up and down, you know, carrying 40-pound boxes, trying to make sure everything's good. And all of a sudden, this guy comes in with, like, this beat-down truck, and he's not normally one of our clients. I don't know who this guy is. And he just comes up to me, and he starts saying all these things he needs, and, you know, he's got to pay his bill. Gary's laughing because uh, normally I'll send Gary to go talk to him, right? And, you know, he needs this to pay his DMV bill. And I'm just like, hey, hey, like Jesus, first I tried to ignore him, right? Hey, I'm busy. I got to go back downstairs, right? <laughs> but my volunteers are like, hey, Alex, can you come up here? Uh, like, damn it. So I got to go back up, right? So I'm like, hey, can you, can you come back next week? He's like, yeah, 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 okay, I'll come back next week. Obviously, I thought, this guy's not going to come back. Great, I don't have to deal with this. Next week, right at 12 o'clock, right, he comes bumping in. His car's broken again. He starts telling me the same old story. This time, he's showing me proof. He, like, gets out his DMV record. He's like, look, this is all I need, 250 bucks. And I'm like, um, yeah, great. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Pastor Jason about that, okay? Uh, that's not really within my, my purview to do that. It totally is. It totally is. In fact, I'm the one who has the benevolent fund in my funding because I interact with people like this a lot, right? But I'm just like, so I emailed Jason. I'm like, Jason, I don't know how to deal with this because you never gave me a process for how to deal with the benevolent fund. And so can you deal with this? And he's like, really, all you have to do is just decide and then Dan will write you a check. And I'm like, dang it. So I'm like, come back next week. Thinking he's not gonna come back, right? Third week, what do you think happens? He comes back. This time, I'm trying to avoid him again, just staying downstairs. Alex, John's here. I'm like, oh God. But this was the week that I was reading this passage. And this was the week where I realized, man, what is going on with me, right? What is going on with me that I have the funds to literally write this guy a check for $250 that I can address to the DMV so I know he's not 
fooling me in a sense. And this will literally keep this man off the street, keep this man going for who knows how long. And so I said, Dan, Dan's the one who writes our checks, right? I'm like, Dan, I need 250 bucks. I need you to make it out of this guy. He's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just sits down and writes a check. I'm like, damn, I got some bills to pay too. Like, maybe you could, no, right? It was so easy for Dan. And I had to really, really look at myself and examine myself. Because when I gave him that check, he experienced salvation in that moment. Right? That was his salvation. That his car wasn't going to get repossessed. That he had a place to stay. I don't know if I'll ever see that man again. But that was his salvation. But not only that, that was my salvation. Because it woke me up. And that day, we actually had a meeting with some of our pantry leaders. And we started talking about all kinds of things like developing, you know, uh, funds where we can sponsor someone like this and all this. And I was just like, wow, yeah, like I am so closed-minded sometimes. And I think it made me realize that in this passage, that number one, we all have to admit that we struggle with this. Jesus, I think, struggled with this very early on. That your perspective, your people are not the most important people. That we have to look to the other to know what the gospel is really about. Because it's so easy to build a movement by hating the other, right? Isn't that how most churches function? Isn't that why a lot of you are here? Because you are sick of that? But can we be honest and say that also progressive forms of Christianity can fall into that same exact trap? Right? So we have to admit that we can all struggle with this. And number two, we have to learn to deal with our woundedness. In my case, I had been manipulated by a lot of people like that. I had put my family in dangerous situations, legitimately. And so I had a woundedness around people like that, right? And I'm not saying that's irrational or unhealthy. That is healthy. But we have to be able to examine that and release it. Because our wounds end up wounding others. Right? And number three, if we're able to do that, I think we're able to open to challenging perspectives. See, the beautiful thing about this story is the Canaanite woman was not some desperate, needy, down-and-out woman. I mean, she was down-and-out, but she was courageous. This woman stepped in front of a bunch of Jewish leaders and the potential Jewish rabbi who claimed to maybe be the savior, and she begged, she courageously spoke out for what was right. She was a social critic of that time. And so for us, if we're in that position of power or privilege, we have to be willing to open ourselves up to hear that cry. To not only hear it, but to believe it. And if we can do that, I think it leads us to accepting people just as they are. Accepting people just as they are. 
Jesus didn't ask this woman to say the sinner's prayer, right? Which, by the way, probably really wasn't a thing back then, right? But he, he didn't have an agenda for her to all of a sudden become Jewish, right? This man I may never see again. He'll probably not be a regular pantry client. It doesn't matter. We have to accept people as they are. And finally, that will lead us into a whole new expansive reality as a community and as a church. Because when we do that, we actually experience the diversity of God's divinity. Right? I know God better when I hear Roy talk about God, when I hear my wife talk about God, when Jen's up here, when anyone's up here, when we're just having conversations, this is not about my understanding, Jason's understanding, Janelle's understanding. This is about all of our perspectives filling in those holes about who God is. And the more we can include people outside of this space who aren't like us, the richer we will become. Because we learn that not only did this woman experience salvation, but I think Jesus was also saved from his own religious exclusiveness that he was heir of. So I think that's the challenge. That's the call for us. So I want you today to just think about how am I maybe little blocked? What are my wounds? How can I open up? How can I include and how will that expand the kingdom of God? Because this is not just a moral ethic. Inclusion is not just about doing the right thing because it's right. Yes, it is right, but it's about experiencing the kingdom of God fully. And we learn that inclusion is difficult, but it's necessary to experience the fullness of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I guess this is the time where we pray. So let's, let's say a little prayer together. Loving God, we thank you. We thank you for challenging perspectives. We thank you for reminders that, Jesus, you are also human, and that we will make mistakes, and yet we still learn through your divine way, the right way to go. So God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our experience so that we can further create the kingdom of God here in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are we on? Okay, there we go. Okay, so I know just before we end, you're all wondering, like, how am I going to get involved? Because I don't have enough to do. I want more to do with the Oceanside Sanctuary. So we have some things that I think you're going to want to get involved in. Um, and I want to tell you, if you have one of these programs, you can get involved by taking a picture of the QR code. Or we have the QR code kind of all over the building. Or you can go to our website. 
But first off, we have a branches class. It will be three consecutive Thursdays, and it's a leader training. And before any of you say, oh, that's not for me, I'm not a leader. I bet you are. I bet we could use you leading in some way, leading a volunteer team, leading a um, dinner group. So please consider it. Consider is this something that I like this training um, to help me with finding a space to lead. So um, you can sign up for that. It's going to be on Zoom. So uh, you won't have to worry about trying to get here after work. It's at 6.30 p.m. It'll go till 7.45, and uh, we'd love to have you. Next, we, do, we are having new dinner and dialogue community groups. So we know that this is something that, uh, as a church, Jason and Alex and Joey and I have been really wanting to have um, some small groups, and you know, Sometimes you're like, ah, do I want to do something in the middle of the week? So we're giving you a chance to just try out three. Maybe you want to be a leader, but you're not sure. Three times. Maybe you'd like to try going, but you're not sure. It's just a three-time group to kind of dip your toe in the water and see what you think. So please sign up for that, um, again, through the QR code. And then starting on September 4th, September 4th, we have our class, Outgrowing Immature Religion. I'm sorry. Okay, starting October 4th, Outgrowing Immature Religion. So have you kind of ever felt like religion, you're, you're growing out of your religion? Maybe it feels more concrete and you're thinking a little more abstractly, there is space for that and there is a lens for that. And uh, we'd like to invite you again on Zoom uh, starting October 4th at 6.30 p.m. to explore that, to hear uh, new ways of reading the, the Bible that can help expand those thoughts. So please sign up for that. Um, and then uh, we are having more Sunday school kids join us since the pandemic. And so I want to remind folks that um, when you use a Sunday school, we do this kind of as a co-op. It's a cooperative Sunday school. So if you've been coming a while, if this is your first time, don't go like, oh my goodness, I need to already sign up for Sunday school. But if uh, you've been here a while and you're using the Sunday school classes, I'll be reaching out to you, and we don't make it difficult, but we are asking that we have a couple more teachers uh, join us so that we can have great educational services for our kids. Um, and before we leave today, thank you so much, Alex and Jen. Um, I was really just moved by both of you today. One of my favorite things about that passage is Jesus went away to get a break and he meets the Canaanite woman, and he is uh, butting up against a new kind of person that he's not usually spending time with. And that was his break. He was refreshed. So one of my things for you all is 
We know that after going through several years of pandemic, we're tired. We want to watch Netflix. We want to hang out with people we know and are comfortable with. We're feeling tired. I'm not trying to speak for everybody, but collectively, we're tired. We're overwhelmed. And one of my questions is, maybe Netflix and hanging out with people that have all the same political ideas as you do, all the same thoughts as you do, the same color skin as you have, maybe is not where you're going to be refreshed. Maybe being refreshed is asking yourself, how can I put myself out there to meet somebody new? Maybe it's like you just need to try a new food. Like just dip your toe in the water a little. But how can I bump up against new people, new thoughts, and be refreshed, be renewed? So um, that is my challenge to you is where can you find a place to be with others that are not the same as you and find refreshment. God, we thank you so much for this beautiful hot day. I pray for our friends who are on the street today and um, can't get out of the heat. Help us to remember them. Help us to work diligently throughout the week to provide the political will, the um, kind words, the waters as a church to those folks. Give us grace to bump up against people who are different and to have a lightning bolt moment just like you did. To love others just the way they are. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great holiday weekend.